Hey friends, you may notice if you're watching the video version of this podcast that my backdrop and surroundings look a little bit different than normal. That's because my house and office have been under construction for a week after a flood took over our kitchen. So that's why things look a little bit different right now. You know, I had to make sure there was nothing back there that dust would get on, whatever, whatever. Anyway, that does not mean that the content of this podcast is in any way dampened. In fact, this week I had one of my favorite conversations I've had so far with Skylar. Skylar is a, what we might call a high capacity volunteer at a church that I actually used to work for out in Omaha, Nebraska. Skyler is a genius in all things technical, but he also has a full-time job in the computer science field. And we got into, you know, how does having that full-time job, how does being married with kids, you know, how do those things affect your ability to serve and your attitude and your outlook? And then we kind of, the conversation went all over the place from there. It was a great conversation and I can't wait to share it to you. So without further ado, let's rewind and get right into it. Here we go. So Skylar, um, give me a little background on what your role is right now at the church. I know you serve in the bridge crew or the tech team, but what do you do? Um, I am a part-time volunteer. Um, I primarily am running audio uh for the for the band and for you know sermons and stuff um however i tend to just be used wherever i needed um i am one of the people back there that generally knows how to run just about everything so i generally show up and say what can i do where can you use me and wherever they need me that's where i go that feels like maybe you've had a lot asked of you over the past year. <laughs> I mean, possibly, that... <laughs> possibly. Have you, uh, have you seen like a change in the, the dynamic over the, you know, with the pandemic and everything being online or remote, like how has that kind of changed, I guess your normal? Yeah. And initially since I am one of the handful of people that knows pretty much every component uh, it was just myself and the one full-time employee um, running the online services um, strictly because uh, we are obviously trying to keep uh, bodies to a minimum inside the church while we're doing the, the service. Um, it was, so if for throughout the summer, uh, from the early spring to throughout the summer, uh, I, I was there every week uh, just trying to help. Uh, run the online production. Uh, it was obviously quite a bit different because it wasn't done live. Um, we were pre-recording uh, and then uh, and then running it uh, on on streaming services on Sunday. But uh, the actual the only thing that was done live was the Q and A after. So the rest was all just uh, a recorded video. Gotcha. And your position is not staff, right? Correct. Yep. One hundred percent volunteer. Um, I. I can't imagine ever being staffed just simply because um, I like just giving my time. I think it adds value and it keeps my mind right, I guess. Um, not that you can't have a good mind with with a paid position, of course. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, thanks, man. I, I, I feel great about that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. All those paid guys are, are bums, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no I, I, I volunteer my time. Um, I've, got a, I've got a full-time position anyway So with um, as a software developer, so... Um, I don't, uh, uh, it's not something I'm doing for any sort of monetary gain. I just need to, I just do it because I, um, I feel like it's a great opportunity to serve. And I, if I can help make, uh, make church, 
uh, more uh, accessible to someone else. I think, I think then I'm, then I'm, then I've done it. That's, that's, I've let God use me in that way. So that's awesome, man. Um, so, so in that chaos of Sarah, which I'm sure nobody else can relate to of being there every <laughs> week and, you know, and the, the ask gets bigger and the, the work is, is harder. Maybe like, do you feel like you and, and the team around you were able to kind of stay positive through that? Was it getting to be too much? Like, I mean, what is that? What is that like internally? I mean, you're, you're married. What's that like at home? Like, how does that, <laughs> you know, what does that do to the rest of your life? Well, um, I think, so I'll start with the commitment side. I, I think the commitment wasn't maybe as bad as it might seem simply because I wasn't doing anything else the rest of the week. <laughs> there wasn't. So it was in a way, honestly, it was kind of my opportunity to get out of the house um, and not go crazy. Um, so there was some plus to that. Um, from a uh, marriage standpoint, I do very, very much value my time uh, in the church worshiping or, you know, just attending with my wife. Uh, and we didn't really miss out on that. So there was actually some burden there for sure. Um, I know by the end of the summer, when they started to be able to go back to an in-person service, um, there might not have been anybody happier than my wife. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and not even just being able to go into service, but just, uh, just so that I would be home sometimes. So, right. Yep. Um, uh, but yeah, there, there was definitely some additional demand, um, but it was honestly in some ways a fun challenge because um, it was not only um, more to do, but it was, it was different. Uh, so, you know, we didn't, everything we did differently. We, we set up cameras differently. We did directing differently. We did sound differently. We did, you know, so it was, it was top to bottom, something completely different. So is that fun or horrifying? <laughs> oh, it's, oh, it's fun. Absolutely. The challenge is, is fun. I, I enjoy it for sure. Nice. Um, it's, uh, and you know, I, 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 it was just fun to, and it was, it's, there's a creative outlet to it, right? You know, it's, uh, oh, yeah. you know, in problem solving and, and figuring out new ways to do things. Um, and obviously between myself and our, our tech, our full-time tech director, um, you know, we got to collaborate on, he had some great ideas and, I tried to help where I could. And I think it, I think it worked out pretty well, actually. What are the, like you, you talked about collaborating with your tech director. Was there anything that he was able to do that kind of helped manage the potential for like burnout or, or craziness during that time? Like maybe even if you just saw it with other team members, I just feel like when you're there every week, the potential to just feel spent is so high <laughs> yeah. and, um, and you don't seem spent, you know, no, I mean, it probably helps that I'm a, an absurdly high energy guy to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, but besides that, I think my, my TD did a great job of, especially in the early onset to not get overwhelmed, we simplified a bunch. So um, we got rid of kind of a lot of maybe uh, extras that we did. We like, we used uh, ex pretty much exclusively static shots, for instance, with cameras um, we, uh, well for the sermon anyway, excuse me. Um, we, uh, we make, kept the lighting simple, you know, we just did a lot of different things that I think made the overall effort a lot more simple, simple. Um, we, uh, we did kind of a whole new style of shooting music. Um, they brought in this, uh, really talented cameraman, um, who did a handheld kind of just 
move throughout the room type of feel to it. And it was, and they sat in a circle and I mean, it was just, it's very, very different than what we did on a typical Sunday. So, um, so I think that helped lighten the load a lot. Um, just kind of like a, let's start, let's get to basics and then, uh, and we can build from there. So. Gotcha. Yeah. And simplifying is something that I've seen with a lot of my clients too, where it's like, you know, the, it ends the, the live services ended and a lot of them started having conversations about how much better can we make it now that we're recording ahead of time. <laughs> and there had to be some like, let's, let's slow down and let's talk about yeah. not district cause we're going to come back to services at some point. And then, then you're going to want to <laughs> keep it with what you did during the pandemic and you're going to want to, it, it just, it's a lot, you know, so careful I'm, what you're signing up for. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, what about like, I guess, talk to me about the learning curve of your position, right? Like you have a full-time job, but you're Mm -hmm. also, you said you're basically capable in every role in the bridge. How did you get there? Like, how do you, how do you learn specific information like that when you've also got the full-time job going on? Cause like, that's something I think a lot of volunteers or other technical artists could use is like the ability to just pick up the new skills. Um, it, it helps that it is an area of interest for me. I, I tend to be a bit of an electronics slash technology nerd. I mean, it obviously goes with my with my profession as a software developer. Um, so it really helped that there was a, um, a already an interest there um, in learning. Um, and then obviously I've had some good people to work with, um, yourself included. I don't know if you... Thanks, man. I, no, I know you were a little fishing for a compliment there, so. Oh, <laughs> no, yeah, I was, I was fishing. <laughs> yeah, who taught uh, you? you know, who, who was that? It definitely helped. Um, <clears throat> and because it's something I'm interested in, it was easy to spend a lot of time, you know, uh, during the week, in the evenings, you know, just kind of like pouring over YouTube videos, pouring over um, tutorials, and then, of course, coming in and having someone help show me how to do things and um and then, and then from there, I, I kind of got to branch out and try to figure out some stuff on my own as well. So um, I think if it were someone who coming in who doesn't really have an interest in production or, or audio or video or, you know, or lighting or anything like that, it might not be as easy just simply because if you're interested in something, it's super easy to learn because you just, you go at it. It's, there's a passion there. Um, but yeah, for me, I think I think what was really really helpful, um, it was just a combination of spending time on YouTube, trying to figure out how to how to do certain things, um, and then having good teachers to to help me with my base knowledge and and go from there. So, got it. So basically, asking a bunch of questions and also like spending, I mean, allotting free time to it. As yep. a married person, did that cause any kind of tension <laughs> at home? Was it? Like- uh, not really. My my wife is really pretty darn understanding. Um, and, um, and she, for some reason indulges me when I want to go down these rabbit holes of learning something. (laughs) So, uh, I I mean, John, honestly, she's, she knows it's, it's something that, uh, that puts me in my element and I get super excited about it. And I think she, she enjoys that as well. So, um, but yes, obviously there are some times where she's like, put that down now. It's my time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what about teaching? You know, um, do you find that you're in a position where like there, there are some churches where their whole technical arts staff, if you will, are, they're all volunteer, 
you know, mm-hmm. so you've got, you've got a full-time job if you're teaching people. And I know you've taught several camera people and maybe some more since I left, like what mm-hmm. has, I guess if you had maybe a system or I don't, I don't know, just what have you kind of learned as far as best ways to teach people or things you do that make it easier? Um, I, I think that's a good question. Um, I, I think the very first step is always just here are the core three or four or five things you need to know. Um, and then make sure you don't overwhelm from there. Don't, don't say, Oh, and then what about this? And then about this and then this and this, and you can learn how to do this. And, you know, just start with, you know, like, let's say I was speaking to a camera person saying, you know, this is what a proper frame looks like. Um, this is how you, you know, if they're, if they're facing a direction, this is kind of how you should react to that. If they're, um, this is how you want to capture motion and the, you know, and stuff you want to look for, um, how you want to make sure that the camera's set up right, you know, stuff like that. Um, so you start very, very basic. And the first time on, on the chair, you tell them, okay, we're going to keep it simple. I'm going to call out what shots we need. And we're probably going to do mostly just static shots. And, you know, you just, and I will wait until you're ready to, to be on, 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 uh, on count on screen. Uh, and then I'll, and then I'll take you and then I'll tell you that I'm taking you. And then, uh, and then I'll let you know when you're not no longer on screen and we can do a different shot, you know, just keep it really, really simple. And then once they've figured out the simple, then you say, okay, let's try something to mix it in. Here's what I want you to do. Just one simple thing. Um, and I think, I think probably the best thing you can do is just, <clears throat> you know, incrementally, maybe one, one thing per, per Sunday say, Hey, let's try this. Let's try, let's try adding this to your repertoire. Um, and then, uh, and that way you can, you can build up some stronger team, teammates. So I think that communication is really critical as well. Like you were talking about making sure they know like, Hey, you're new. I'm going to tell you when you're on screen and when you're off screen and what shots, mm-hmm. are, you know, just like being in constant communication, I think is, makes, makes a big difference for people who are new or uneasy about, you know, their role. Sure. Um, and, and even outside of services, you know, like connecting with people and just saying, Hey, you did a great job, or I'm glad you're here. You know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, not just talking, talking tech stuff with them. Um, yeah. Always, always, always say thank you for coming. Cause you know, that it even, that is their time, you know, that is, um, uh, time giving up time is not nothing. You know, I think, I think, uh, I don't, I don't know if, of if other, uh, churches run it differently, but, uh, but I, I, I know personally that, especially like you said, I'm married with kids and a full-time job. Um, sometimes that sacrifice is, comes with some, some stress. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's always, it's always good to make sure you're saying thank you because they are giving you something. They're giving you their time. Um, and, and that's super valuable and super appreciated. So, and it's the only resource they can't get back, right? You can exactly. go make more yeah. money. You can't make yep. more time. Well, and not, and not to mention, I mean, if you think about it, um, you know, a churches especially have limited dollars and, you know, sure. If they could hire 16 people to run their production booth, you could probably run it a little differently, but, um, but it, since you can't, you know, most churches can probably hire one person, maybe. <laughs> uh, so since you can't, um, and, and those volunteers are your lifeblood, they're essentially donating money to your production team. If you think about it, because. Uh, there's a, there's a real value to them being there. So, yeah. And professionals are expensive. 
I mm-hmm. like, I remember, um, while I was a TD, like even just renting equipment or having someone come set something up is like, that's a huge, like, I got to go get approval to, to get someone <laughs> to do this, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's not, not like, like buying candy, for, buying, buying pizza for everybody. Or anything, so. Yeah. And I, and frankly, the budget at, when I was a TD was fairly high for production for a church, um, yeah. you know, and we were still like stretching it to, to accomplish those kind of things. Um, I'm going to make kind of a, a left turn here, uh, okay. topics wise, because something that um, is really important to me, well, actually important enough that I started a podcast about it, is the idea that I think the the technical arts have a ministry role to play, not just like a service role to play. Um, and I would love to know, like, what are your thoughts on that idea? That's kind of a big concept, so you don't have to have any, but like the the idea that maybe there's a, a ministry role to... Um, being a technical artist or, or something beyond just like, Oh, it's, it's more than just lights and buttons and, you know, turning dials. Yeah. I, I would say wholeheartedly um, it's a ministry. I mean, of course I would argue that, you know, being a greeter is a ministry and, and, uh, and watching, you know, toddlers while other people, you know, experience God is a, is a, is a ministry. Um, So definitely along that lines, it is. And I think, from a, a, I like to, I like the phrase technical arts because I think some people, some people obviously everybody knows the people on the stage are creative, and honestly they have creativity that I and talents that I dream of having, I do not. But uh, so I can I can just make it you know function better. <laughs> uh, so so obviously they're creative, but I think maybe some people maybe don't understand the creativeness of the technical team. You know, there's a there's definitely a creativity in finding new and interesting ways to solve problems, how to make the team more efficient, how to, um, how to reduce the stress of a, of a Sunday service, how to, um, you know, and, and the, well, I would, I would say the real value that you can provide is through not being noticed um, essentially. Uh, the real value they can provide is that you're creating an atmosphere where people are open and engaged and really receiving what God wants to tell them on that given Sunday. Um, and, and it's not that you're the one doing it or anything. Obviously God could, God can reach people with a person standing on a pulpit with no microphones, no lights, no nothing, you know? Um, but I, I don't believe that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to make every effort to reach people. And if, and if that includes uh, creating an environment that is really receiving and really welcoming and really engaging, then I think, I think you should do it. I think you absolutely should do it. It's, I think that's where your ministry is. You know, it's almost like um, their ministry is the what, you know, they when being like the worship team and the pastor and, and those types of people, their ministry is the what your ministry is the how, like I, you have this, this gift of, of delivering a message, this gift of, of engaging in worship. Um, my, 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 uh, ministry is to help spread that, that gift and that message out, I guess, if that makes sense. That's huge. Um, an unpack atmosphere for me because we hear about this idea of, of church being like a rock concert as a criticism all the time. And I always, kind of gently push back on that idea because rock has moved so far beyond the kind of production that we do in the church where, you know, lasers and, and fog in the lobby and pyro and, and most of that. 
okay, I did technically use pyro once in church for a youth event. Um, <laughs> but most of that we don't, we don't do, but there is something to be said for creating an atmosphere, but creating an atmosphere is one of those vague, ambiguous, creative -y phrases. Like, what do you mean when you say, um, that part of the ministry is creating that atmosphere? Um, you know, <laughs> so I, I think I'd start by saying, you know, like the answer to that question is just yes. Um, and what I mean by that is I, I don't, I am not the type of person that feels like there's a right answer. Um, I, I happen to belong to a community of, of church texts on Facebook and it is an oft debated, uh, debated topic about what is too much and what is not enough. And that, you know, church, what, it, that church group is always yes. good for like. Uh, entertainment like oh, oh man yes. i got 10 minutes to kill let me grab some yeah. popcorn and scroll through 100 <laughs> percent. so so atmosphere is very personal um i think atmosphere depends on your audience i think you're gonna create a different atmosphere for a church rally than you are or for a, for excuse me for a youth rally than you are for a normal sunday service you know those are two totally different things um for me personally um I just want everybody in the room to feel engaged. Uh, you know, I, in fact, maybe more often than not, the person I'm thinking about the most is the person sitting in the back row, the person that maybe doesn't want, doesn't want to use the wrong word, maybe is a little timid. Uh, the person that is, that really just kind of wants to walk in, sit down, sit in the back row and then get up and then head out without it talking to anybody. They don't, they don't like readers. They don't, <laughs> they don't, uh, <laughs> uh, they, they just generally kind of, and, and I, I don't want to necessarily make them feel uncomfortable. I want to, them to feel comfortable and feel engaged. I want them to feel as if the speaker on the stage is speaking with them and to them or the, um, or the band is playing for them and with them. And, um, and that's, that's kind of my biggest goal. Um, now, production value can serve a purpose. So, and I say, when I say production value, this time I'm talking about ext extravagance. Um, right. It can serve a purpose. I would wholeheartedly agree with your statement, though, that we are nowhere near a rock concert. I would even say, for instance, I went to a, uh, a charity for King and Country show, um, and their production level blew me away. And I promise they're not on you know, Justin Timberlake's level or anything like right. that. So, and, and I, and they were on a level that I've never seen a church at. So if, if this Christian rock band who granted, they probably still are, are very up there as far as production value. Um, if they're even way higher than most churches, then I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I, I don't fall on either side of it's too much or if it's not enough. My only question is what is, you know, is God the focus? Is God being honored? And if that's the case, I mean, why wouldn't you celebrate God with all your talents and all your abilities, you know? Uh, and that can mean, you know, putting on a show sometimes, you know, that, you know, I would say corporate worship maybe doesn't need that big show all the time because corporate worship isn't about who's on the stage. Corporate worship is about everyone in the room focusing on God. It's not, uh, uh, and so if, if the singer up, uh, on stage is meant to look like a, you know, uh, like a rock star or like he's playing a concert, I could understand that argument a little bit. But I also understand that people will naturally engage with something that's appealing and visually appealing. Um, 
And so my ultimate, my ultimate uh, benchmark is, you know, is your purpose to get people engaged with the music and, and in worship? And if that's the case, go for it. You know, um, I, I would probably say try and measure, you know, try then measure. Um, so, so if you, if you decide, Hey, I would love to put in these lights that did these things, um, try it. And then honestly, gauge the, gauge the audience reaction. If you can, if you can go sit in the audience and just see how, um, see how, see how they engage. If, if they're just saying, Oh, look at the lights and they're not engaging with the music, then maybe it's not the right answer. Um, but if they're, you know, if you could tell you're, they're really, they're, they're really getting captured up in the moment and, and, uh, and really focusing on God and focusing on the worship, then I think, I think it's a, it's a win. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, I, I especially like what you said about like the asking yourself the question, were people able to focus and engage with what happened on the stage? I think a lot of atmosphere isn't about what we put in, but about what we take away. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I, when I coach my team, I, I always say the phrase minimize distractions. I say it so much that their eyes start rolling. Uh, not <laughs> yep. that, not that you would know anything about that. No, um, nothing at all. <laughs> but, but it really is like, you know, the, the way that we can be part of the ministry of the local church is when people show up to that church, if we can remove all the distractions from that room, like if we can make sure that the lights are guiding their eyes to what we need them to be looking at right now, if we can make sure that the scriptures are clear, if they can make eye contact from the back of the room, like you said, with the person who's on stage and we do that with iMag, if you know, all those things combine to create an experience where someone comes in and they can personally engage with what's on stage. You take it from the spectator sport, you know, then it, then it's a shared experience. And that is, I would also say probably what separates us from the rock concert. A rock concert Mm -hmm. is a spectator sport and every now and then there's a mosh pit or something. But for the most part, you're there to watch people who are really good at their thing, do their Mm -hmm. thing. But we go to church to watch people who are just like us teach us something or, or lead us somewhere or join us in a worshipful experience. And so, so changing that to a, a shared experience, I think is a big deal. And, and absolutely. And, and if you think of um, the modern Christian, okay, now some people are, would say, well, you know, if you're really focusing on God, all you need is God and you don't need all this stuff. And, and you know what? The word need is probably appropriate there. You don't need that. But if you look at what a person as an individual, as a human is faced with now with so many distractions and, and, and something always filling up your time and always taking your attention. And, and, you know, they, they probably walked into church with 400 things on their mind, you know? So if you can just help them move from that state of, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do this afternoon? The kids are driving me nuts, you know, to uh, I'm here, I'm focused, I'm worshiping. If you can just help them there, then I, you know, then maybe it's worth it to have a little production value or to have a little, you know, a, a little, uh, a little effort put into how things look and how they, how they appear. Um, because honestly, really all ultimately what I think the tech team is trying to do, I'm not going to use minimize distractions because that's been taken. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, all, all the tech team is really trying to do is draw people to the message. 
Honestly, that's really what you're trying to do. Um, you know, the, the speakers have their talents and the, and the musicians have their talents. And, you know, obviously, you know, uh, you know, our church is very blessed to have some really, really talented people. Um, so my job is just to simply create a, create a, create a space where they can come in and totally engage. That's, that's ultimately it. Yeah, definitely. I feel like we need to talk about live streaming for a second in conjunction with production value, because with the pandemic, we've everyone is live right now right or or mm-hmm. they're doing something pre-recorded that premieres online but online is their primary way of connecting with their congregations sure. and there is the ministry side that we just talked about of we need to be able to engage and share in that experience and there's also the production value side of we need to try and stop the scroll right like <laughs> we're we're not competing with other churches or with noisy kids in the same room where we just need to guide their attention back to the stage. We're competing with billion dollar Netflix and we're competing with YouTube and we're, you know, the, those kinds of algorithms. Exactly. And (laughs) algorithms. And, and in that environment where we're trying to, you know, we're doing unique things or we're trying new things to try and get people to engage. Have you found in your personal experience that there's any kind of clash between trying to make it engaging and focused on the worship versus trying to make it engaging for three seconds. So you stop scrolling and click play. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, so I, I always like to like to think of the idea that the church adapts to the times as far as delivery, but not as far as message, right? The Bible doesn't change. The message doesn't change. Jesus is who he was. He still is that person. He will always be that person. You know, that is, that is the same, but the how has to change the how, uh, you know, um, God didn't say sit still and I'll bring the whole nations to you to disciple them, to make disciples out of them. He said, go and make disciples of all the nations. And, and honestly that go in, in our modern times, is, is through, you know, a, 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 a ones and zeros coming through a line, you know, that's our go, you know, that's at least a version of our go anyway. You just activated uh, my soapbox, man. That, I've been telling people <laughs> for all year, social media is not a digital campus. It's a mission field. Anyway, yes, anyway, you can keep going. Yes, it is. Uh, and, <laughs> and it is a mission field. I'll tell you that. Um, uh, you know, no. So, so like, so you have to, you know, the, the traditional model of a captive audience inside of an auditorium has a successful formula where, you know, you're going to start off with a few songs. You're going to probably have a quick talk, a worship talk. Then you're going to go into a message. Then you're going to close with maybe a song and prayer and stuff. And then you can, and then you can go. And that's a, that's a very successful model. It's a, it's a good model. Um, but the difference is, is in that environment, you've, taken away some of the distractions that they're going to have at home. You know, at home, nobody's here to watch my kids. Um, at home, uh, I, it's so easy for me. There's, you know, so easy for me to just pick up my phone and start scrolling um, and, and forget that what I'm doing, you know. And then let's be honest, at home, it's a little harder to worship. You know, it's, it's a little it's not the same environment in a building where a bunch of people are singing with me and I've got the people right in front of me and the music is immersive. The sound system is great and all that stuff. It's coming from a TV that probably has 
speakers this big. Um, there's no complete sound. You know, uh, you know, it's it's going to be a completely different experience, and the attention span is going to be different as well. Um, you know, YouTube generally rewards people who do 10 minute videos. And why do they do that? Because it's enough for people to pay attention to, but not enough for them to, you know, it's like that right amount of, we can keep them in, you know, we can keep them entertained for 10 minutes. After that, it's too long. Well, on a TV, obviously shows are 30 minutes, but they break it up on purpose so that you only have to digest pieces at a time. Um, so I think churches need to react to that as well and need to appreciate that's their medium. Their medium is no longer a pulpit in front of people. Well, I'm not saying that's going away, but I think they should see this as just as big of a, a congregation as, as the, and, and just as important of a congregation as the people that are sitting in the pews in front of them. Um, so, you know, you have to start thinking about, okay, exactly like you said, okay, here's a person sitting down on their couch in their living room. And just like I had do as a tech in inside the building, how am I going to remove all their distractions? How am I going to pull them in? How am I going to make this very engaging? Um, and my window is probably smaller. My delivery has got to be a little different. Um, you know, you look at, you watch anything on TV, even if you take, um, let's say, uh, people who do sermons on TV, you know, they're generally not on, on a pulpit far away, you know, doing different things. They're generally sitting down. The cameras are the camera shots are often close up and angled and and uh, and it's it's just a completely different environment, but it's way more engaging that way. So uh, so you know yeah us us as a as a technical team, we need to respond to this um, to this new uh, what did you call it not ministry this new uh, new mission field. You know we need to uh, we can't we can't just put up a camera thirty feet away from our pastor and. Say okay, we got it. We went online, you know. Right. Uh, don't get me wrong, and, and I, I, that's not a means to criticize because honestly, for a lot of churches, I think that didn't already have an infrastructure in place to do all this stuff. That was actually probably a huge win. So good on them for getting to that point. Um, and this is not even me saying, you know, geez, you should be way beyond that by now. Um, but I think, at the very least, like you even said about somebody sitting in the in the in the in the rows, you know, we need to think about them it's it's really more about how are we how are we getting to them um and in, in an online world that's got to be different than what it is yeah my my company manages youtube channels for churches and businesses and stuff like that and one of the things that we talk about with our clients is uh, we call it a content funnel which in the marketing world there's a very similar concept called a lead generator um, but basically people will use YouTube for about as long as you'll go to a church service. It could be anywhere from 60 to 90 minutes and, and they'll spend that much time on YouTube, but they spend it divided among, among, like you said, you know, 10, 12, 20 different videos. So if we can make shorter engaging videos that kind of lead us to click the next thing, right? And now we're pulling in some some TV inspiration. You know, the TV commercial break always starts with a cliffhanger because they want you to come back. They just also don't want you to get bored. Um, and and I think that that's, that's an experiment I've been trying to get churches to run with their services and nobody's willing to do it yet. They're, you know, I think people are, are scared of trying too many new things in what I think, honestly, most people thought was a temporary situation. I don't yeah. think... I don't think people really took seriously the idea that we might be here in January 2021 and still be coping with the far-reaching effects of of COVID-19. Well, and there's there's probably a harsh reality too that 
um, you know, uh, without throwing out specific numbers, like, you know, let's say, let's just say half your congregation, there's a possibility half your congregation won't ever come back in your building. Yeah. That's a real possibility. Um, now I think a lot of churches might be thinking like, you know, that's tragic. And in a way it is obviously, and I think it is, but, um, a lot of churches are thinking like, man, we just have to get everybody back in the building as soon as we possibly can, instead of maybe thinking of, Hey, wait a minute, this is our opportunity to grow. You know, it's not. And, and if, if you're not counting your online congregation as much as you're counting your in-house congregation, then I think you're missing it, you know? And so like, as an example, you know, um, what is kind of one of the most popular ways to deliver an idea on the internet right now? It's Ted talks, right? Mm -hmm. They're usually short. They've got points. They've got like this and this and this, they lead you down, you know, paths of, of information. Um, and then it's done. It's, it's done. And then, you know what you usually do? Usually click on the next one that's related to that, you know? Um, or I think of like, um, you know, football, let's take football for instance. Um, you know, if I saw a great play in a football game, I don't say, Hey Josh, here's three hours and 10 minutes of football about 35 minutes in. There's this great thing you should see, you know, I, (laughs) and the NFL puts out 12 second clips of this just great thing that happened, you know, and I, and I think the church could learn a lot from that. Now maybe 12 seconds is too short, but what if I could share like a two minute home run mess, home run part of the message. And I could say, Hey friends, you know, I, in church today, my pastor really just, man, this point just really got me. Listen to this. It's only a minute and a half long. It's 90 seconds. You know, uh, that is, if a church is providing those types of things for their congregation for their disciples to make disciples you know i I think that's that's the mindset we have to have we have to have this um we almost almost have to work like a social media company you know like that's a that's a, a crazy idea for the ministry of the tech team that i had not considered until you just said it that equipping the congregation to go make disciples especially in the digital realm that's all on the tech crew that's yep. you know taking taking sermons and cutting them into those smaller bites like you're talking about, or making sure that um, we're creating digital assets, shareable media that that they can use. That's all like that's ministry from the tech team. That's huge. exactly. That's that's the modern day. I'm gonna print some tracks for people to hand out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I only joke because I tracks are terrible. I mean, I love God, love tracks, but you know, I don't know Take- that they ever saved anybody, but. <laughs> I, I feel like that's kind of the equivalent of handing out your church's mixtape from a trunk of your car, like driving to a street corner in Chicago and like, dude, check out my church's mixtape. Oh, I love it. Fire, but not like, not like that kind of fire, like, like holy fire, you know, cause he's, yeah. Never mind. I'm going to go to the next corner and you just like drive off. <laughs> the other thing that's yeah. crazy so, about, yeah. about trying to get people back into the building is that, um, the, the most recent research that I've read says that, um, and I'll even cite it. It's Phil Bowdle's book, um, Rethink Communication, for those of you who are out there trying to fact check me. Um, <laughs> says that one in eight church insiders, people who are totally bought in, devout Christians, believe in everything, one in eight insiders only come to your church twice a year. Hmm. So if they're only in your building two times a year, if an eighth of your people are in your building two times a year, like, 
what the heck, man? What you're not when you try and get everyone back to the church, you're still not going to have everyone back to the church. They weren't there. They weren't in the church to start with. <laughs> right. Like, this yeah. this shift we're talking about, it was happening before the pandemic. We just noticed oh, because of the pandemic. The pandemic made it made it obvious because it it enlarged it. It it pushed it along at a much faster rate than we were originally going to. So I think maybe it also gave us permission to experiment, though. Um, yeah. When you can say like, sure. oh, every, everything is new and the world is in turmoil. Like you have permission now to b- basically try whatever you want and your people are going to forgive you if it looks crappy, you know? And I, and I would even go as far as to say that um, you need to treat your online congregation as a completely separate service. If mm-hmm. you, if you really want to make it hit home. Uh, and I say that because uh, and maybe maybe that's just the, my lack of coming up with a way to make the normal church service work as well online as it does in person. Um, but I don't think I'm wrong when I say that that's not really a thing that's possible. Um, I think you need to say, okay, for Sunday, for in-person, this is my message. This is our worship set. This is how we're doing it. And for Sunday online, this is what we're doing. This it might be the same message, but it might be 10 minutes instead of 30 minutes. You know, it might, it might have, uh, it might be, or it might be chopped up into pieces or, um, and, and the worship set would probably be a little more, you know, living room, you know, acoustic or, you know, or something like that. You know what I mean? It's going to be different. Um, and I think honestly, and, and to be fair, I know obviously what I'm asking is actually antithetical to the idea that you're getting volunteers to do everything. Cause now you're asking for more stuff to be done and you probably have <laughs> less volunteers because some people stopped volunteering when the pandemic hit. So I realize there's a, there is a barrier to what I'm saying, right? but I do think it's an opportunity for the church to say, okay, we learned a lesson. Okay. Now, as we're going back and we have more people volunteering and we have more availability, let's do this. Let's, let's actually really buckle down and sit and take our online campus as seriously as we take the people walking through the door. So would you go uh, as far as to say that live streaming your in-person church services is less effective than doing something after the fact for just your, your online outreach? hundred percent. I, now I will caveat that and say that doing an online version of your in-person service is still a great first step. Um, and, um, and for anybody out there that that's all they can do, man, that's great. Like you're at least providing an opportunity, you know, um, myself, I, I actually went skiing once this winter and you know what I did is during my church's online service, I put my headphones in and I listened while I was skiing. Um, and there was still a great experience. It was still, um, it was still great. You know, I still got to hear, I still got the message. I mean, I obviously wasn't visually looking at it while I was going down the hill because that could be dangerous. But, uh, but you know, it was it was at least a great opportunity though to still engage. So even if that is what you have, you know, I would say that's that's great. But I would also say to anybody that that is at, in a situation where they're like, okay, what do we do now? Now that our congregation is in-person congregation has been cut in half or even completely gone, depending on where you live, uh, what do we do now? And I would say absolutely take this as a moment, you know, pray about it and, and really think about it as to how you can have now this new online campus and an online campus shouldn't be looked at as less than an in-person campus. It may, it's different and you may not 
be able to do everything you get to do in person. And yes, there is a real value to fellowship face-to-face. So I think you should still encourage that when it's safe, when it's good, all that stuff, when it's mm-hmm. not right. forbidden by the government either. Uh, <laughs> it's that too. Um, so you should definitely still do that. But but there is always going to be those people, like you said, there are even people that are engaged, even people that are bought in that are just not going to come every Sunday. And if you can reach them on the Sundays, they're not there. I mean, how valuable, how big is that? You know, and especially if you give them stuff to do, if you give them content, they can share, if you give them uh, highlights, if you give them, uh, you know, resources that they can then do something with, like how powerful could that be? I think that would be just really, really, really powerful. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that um, I really loved when I was working at, at your church was we made a lot of story videos Mm -hmm. and I felt like that's a way to equip, like everybody's carrying around a story with them. But mm-hmm. when you're in the conversation in the moment, it can be hard to figure out the right words. And so if you can even give that person, like, here's your story in a format you can send to someone and then let's have lunch and talk about it or whatever. Like, that's an opportunity. That's like a step three or four in the conversation, right? You don't you don't sure. lead with, like, here's my life story. But, you know, maybe, you, maybe you've maybe you been talking for a while. Extra like me. <laughs> But you, but you give it some, you know, you give it some time, you start the conversation, but maybe you get to that point where they say, well, like, okay, so you, you're talking about this God guy, like, you know, what's he done for you? Well, what if you could, you know, Hey, why don't you watch this? And then let's talk more about it. And that's, that's a big, like, I don't know. I just feel like that could be good for that scenario. Well, Uh, and, and the certain pastor that we know has always said that the most powerful tool in your ministry is your own story. You know, it's, it's, yeah. It's not something that can be refuted. It's not something that can be, you know, argued with. It's not, you're not going to get in in an argument over theology or, you know, whether or not the Bible contradicts itself or whatever, you know, stuff you would get involved with. It's my story. This is what has happened in my life. And this is what's meant to me. Right. Um, And that's super valuable. And and I, I will tell you that, you know, that kind of engagement is digital and it's powerful. You know, everybody I've ever talked to at the church always says after they watch those story videos, like, man, man, that is, that is just so, that challenges me that, that touches me. Or I've, I've felt stuff like that. That really, that really meant something, you know? Um, I've never had somebody go like, Oh man, would they quit doing the stupid story videos? Like, (laughs) (laughs) I was just so tired of hearing about lives changing. Yeah. This person, you know, who, you know, lost a child or something and God pulled him through it. You know, man, that's terrible. That's boring. Take that out of your Next click. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's, and I, and again, those things are fall right in line with that. Like, you know, Hey, here's something you can share. You know, you want to reach your friends, let them hear this story. This is a great story of somebody who was just in a dark place and they were brought through by God and by, by the church. And, you know, like uh, that to me is, is, is powerful. That's give, give people tools. Yeah, definitely. Man, Skylar, this has been an awesome conversation, but I think my DSLR is about to die. So we're going <laughs> to, we're going to wrap it up here. Um, but thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk to me. Sure. Uh, just taking us on that, that deep dive through kind of your, kind of your, your feelings about stuff. I know that you're an awesome contributor to your tech team. I'll be praying for your church, man. I appreciate it. And I, I will tell you, I miss you. It's uh, it's fun talking to you. Yeah. Good talking um, to you too. And hopefully someday you'll wander your way into town and we can hang out. So 
as soon as I'm allowed to leave the state and when I come back, I don't have to quarantine for 10 days, you are my first stop. (laughs) Skylar is absolutely right. You know, social media is a mission field and we have the ability as the technical artists of our church, we have the ability to equip the congregation of our church to go into that mission field and make disciples, which is the ultimate calling that Jesus gave all of us. So this week, I really want you to be thinking about what is something you can do as a technical artist to equip the people around you to move into that digital space and push the gospel forward. I'm Josh Hughes. This is Sound Doctrine. And for now, the comms are clear.